everyone. Welcome to BJJ and Brews once again. I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Vu. Good day. So we're starting to get in the habit of recording a quick little intro before our conversations today. Today you'll be hearing a conversation we recorded a little earlier with Black Bell Kali Clark. I thought it was a really good conversation. We had a lot of fun. It was someone that's trained um, almost as long as Chris has. So almost one of the long. longer tenured guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, very, very long. I mean, probably in terms of total martial arts training, equally as long because if he started at like 18 and I started at 11, he's about 10 years older than me. So that's almost equal amounts of time. Oh, absolutely. So, but I, mean, I was like, thinking just strictly from no, the purely jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, 100%. I mean, almost as long as me. It's like a year shorter. So, yeah. So, uh, as we're going to keep saying, uh, people have been asking us about this. If you want to reach us, you can contact us via social media on Instagram and Facebook at BJJ and Bruise. So the handle's the same on both. Or you can also shoot us an email directly at BJJ and Bruise at gmail.com. Was there anything else you wanted to add, Chris? Um. If you have any questions for us, that'd be a lot of fun. Um, we got a lot of uh, great ideas in mind. Um, we will execute because that's what we do. Um, just get prepared for a little bit more of an interactive experience with us. Yeah, I think we, we do have some pretty cool ideas, and we're just figuring out the best way to do it, but I think it's going to be pretty darn exciting. But besides that, it was a great conversation with Kali. We're going to keep this short. So now, enjoy the rest of the show. All right. Good morning. Good morning, Kali. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing outstanding. So, Chris and I are here with Kali Clark, and I wanted to start because it's still relatively fresh. You got your black belt less than two months ago. Congratulations! Congratulations! So, walk us through that. Like, how did that feel? Your emotions, all that. Because that was how many years? Just, just go, go over the whole thing. It was a long journey. I mean, I, I've trained um, with Paul at the gym for about 13 years. Um, real consistent at the beginning for probably five or six years. And then life happens. You know, you do work and you get injured. And I didn't get to train as consistently for about a three-year period. Um, and then the last three... What was your injury, just out of curiosity? I've had multiple injuries. Um, broken ankles, ACL, oh both knees popped. Um Lots of things in the back yeah, and so neck. All the so yeah, injuries. All, all your typical things that you really? would get. I mean, um, pretty much at that time, um, if I wasn't hurt, I wasn't training um, and stuff. But I learned a lot um, on how to manage injuries and what to do and what not to do when you actually get hurt um, along the time. Was this at Dean and University? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I had injuries there. I had injuries at Goldenrod. I had injuries here. So, I mean, I, I, I would have a lot of injuries. For Did sure. you, um, can you, can you kind of pinpoint like where, they, when, where they happened um, or how they happened rather? Specifically? No, it just happened in the natural really? flow of training. I mean, a couple, one, one time the knee um, popped when we were doing takedown and, you know, the, my foot caught in the mat and oh, didn't yeah. move and it popped that's why you that's why you hate this mat i do that's, 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 i like that's, the swain mats that's that makes all right that, that all for right. sure for sure cool um but but probably the biggest thing i learned um as i came back the last three and a half years if something doesn't feel right at that point it's time to shut down that training session and um you know allow your body to heal if you need to see a doctor and i was pretty fortunate the last three and a half years nothing happened other than just some 
minor setbacks, I would tweak the knee. Um, it would pop, and I'd be able to, you know, take a week or so and not, not train as hard. Um, anytime that my neck or back would hurt and I couldn't move my neck or, you know, sometimes wouldn't be able to walk, um, I'd just take a couple days off and, and, and it would come back. So I was real fortunate. I didn't have to take any treatment or do any surgery last year. So you, you listen to your body. I listen to my body, which that's I think the, is that yeah. that's the key for probably a lot of people for, for jujitsu is I learned that when I was in a bad situation, tap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, if I'm, I, I don't need to be a hero. I mean, I'm a, I'm an older guy. I'm one of the oldest guys at the gym. I'm 48. And if I'm in a bad situation, I'm, I'm going to try to, you know, tap and restart and, and let's learn from it and try to figure how not to be in that position the next time. But um, I'm not going to get hurt um, trying to do that and stuff. What uh, what did what happened when you hurt your ACL? Did you have to have surgery for that or did you just rehab that? I, I, I It was time, really. So with the ACL, um, they, they said it was a full tear. You know, I went to the Jew. Oh, my God. Yeah, I went to Jew it. Um, the guy looked at my knee, and he said, I don't know if it's a full tear. It may be a partial tear. And he said, if you had a full tear, your knee would move like this. And he goes, you, you have more stability there. And so um, whatever was wrong structurally with it has come back. But I still, every now and then, I'll tweak it because – you know, I don't think you can fully heal without the surgery personally. So I just think, so it's always in the back of my mind. Um, and luckily I haven't had a scare with the, with a knee probably in about a year and a half or so. Last time I had a scare for the knee was right before, um, I was about to compete in the Pan Ams in 2018. Um, that was the last time I had a scare. It was with Julius. Oh, really? Um, we was were it training. Like, were you just, was it leg lock stuff we were No, doing? we weren't doing leg locks. We were just doing takedowns. I, I mean, we, we had I had transitioned from being on the ground to stand up, and he stood up with me, and he went to take me down, mm. and my foot got caught on the mat. Oh, and stuff. my God. It's so a, so it's a, Danaher's right. Takedowns are the most dangerous part of jiu-jitsu. Well, falling bodies. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, falling bodies. Body. But the mat thing, I can, I'm starting to see why wrestlers – wrestle on rollout mats that don't have gaps in them yeah there's one solid thing so it wasn't like there was a gap that 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 it was it was one of the the ones that the sticky kind just like right there on the on that mat on our jujitsu mat was one of those type of um of mats for sure so you said that there have been you've been almost actually around as long as i have um you said a three-year gap of not training, or inconsistent, rather. Yeah, with jujitsu, I, I was cross-trained. I was doing like um, I was doing cage fitness. I was I've always been doing something active, so it wasn't like I stopped doing anything. And what was weird in the time is I would rehab on my own. And really? to try to come back, I would come back and I would tweak something again and then I would be out again. And so this time when I came back, when I, when I tweaked something, I just stayed focused. I moved and, and, and maybe for a week or so I just drilled. And that was three and a half years ago you said? It would, would have been probably, yeah, three and a half, three to, three to, three and a half to four years ago. So where did it all begin here? Like where did – how did I get to – where, where did it get to this point? Because like just yeah, reading sure. your, your, your history there, you've, you've – you're a traditional martial artist first. I mean, similar to me. Yeah. So um, I, 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 yeah, I and and it shows too. Like you know, you're you're super respectful. One of the kindest people I've met ever in jujitsu, um, in in my journey as well. And like I can see in your learning style and your level of respect for everybody that like that there's that traditional aspect there, which is awesome. 
Yeah, so I, I, I've always done something athletic my whole life since I've been five. So probably the, the only time where I wasn't doing something physical is there was a brief period where I was going to school and working, being a father, being a parent. And, you know, it just I didn't have as much time. Um, so I wasn't able to run. Um, it just it, it, I, and it was probably about a year and a half period. But I, I, I made a commitment to myself that it doesn't matter what else is going on in my life. I have to commit at least a set amount per per day or per week to do some sort of physical exercise because I think it's important to keep your body fit and your mind fit at the same time. So, you know, when you're going to school, you're working on your mind, but you also need to do your body as well. And so with my son, I would always talk about, hey, let's do both. So, um, you know, as I was a child or a youth, I would play baseball, football, soccer, basketball um, competitively. Um, baseball was the sport that I was good you're, at. You're a local guy too, right? Yeah, yeah. I went to Boone High School. I Did went, you really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Here locally. Like, this is, oh, wow. So you're a baseball. Local guy. Yeah, yeah. Played baseball for them. Um, played, um, uh, yeah, I had a couple college scholarship offers but I, I i wanted to i thought i was good enough to go um division one and i wasn't um and i how, wa- how does that work exactly so if you like I, i'm not familiar with any team sports basically so if you're offered scholarships you said so you forwent those to, yeah, to, to do to, to to actually to walk on locally at valencia and um to on an academic scholarship versus okay. versus athletic and it just didn't work out for me i got probably the only time in my life where i've truly failed is i didn't make the the, the team for the spring and for, I was, for valencia for valencia okay. yeah right. and i walked away and um you know ended up you know I, I, baseball was what I thought I was going to do with my life. Um, even though I was great in school, um, I, that was really what I had focused on for probably 14 years. And it, Really? Yeah. So were you one of those travel ball kids? Um, they didn't do travel ball then at the time, but we did have local baseball, and I got to play with some you know guys that were in the big leagues. I played on a local team with briefly with Veritech in the, in the fall. Did so, you really? Yeah, and Johnny Damon would be a year behind me. Um, a guy on my high school team was the first pick in the draft, Paul Wilson. Veritech was, was out of Brantley, right? He was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, go Patriots. <laughs> yeah, that's we my, that's Red my. Sox. What do you mean? Jason Red. Hey, no, it's, it's Lake. Lake oh, they're the and, Patriots. And the <laughs> yeah, you know the Lake, the, the mascot. Chris Boo. I didn't know that. I didn't know the mascot of Lake Brantley was the Patriots. My bad. Give me some credit. I know nothing about sports, but yes. Yeah, so, so, so we would. We would that's <laughs> Come funny. On, man. Yeah, so it's the they're, they're Lake Brantley Patriots, which and is you know Noah's a Patriots fan, so that's, he was correct about the boss. Brave, right? I, I was a, a Boone, Boone Brave. brave. There yeah, you go. yeah. It's, Did you know John John Rumsey the Patriot? I didn't know that. I took life skills under his dad in high school. Wow. Yeah, like it's that's that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, so you played baseball. I played baseball. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know, it's very competitive. Just like any sport, the the more you advance, whether it's from little league to the next level, little you know, the next level to high school, high school to college, each one is progressively harder. And so, anybody that you know continues their journey on any sort of professional athlete thing it's it's a hard journey and i think the part that i didn't realize then is in a journey for the people that usually get to the top there's probably somebody along the way that says hey man you're not good enough and um you know 
I think as an athlete or a martial artist or whatever, you need to know how to deal with that. And you need to, um, because if you don't, then you're just gonna, <laughs> I mean, you're gonna fail and you're gonna walk away and quit would be what I would say. So it, it, it's tough and stuff. So I was kind of curious, I have a bunch of questions, but sure. this is a little skipping ahead, but it's something I've talked about with Chris. And I was wondering if you feel the same thing. When you made the transition to do martial arts, and, and let's, let's just stick to jujitsu because that's, that's what I know. Do you find that when you started doing jujitsu, well after you had been a baseball player, you'd also done some traditional martial arts, but let's just rely on the baseball part. Do you think the fact that you were an active athlete playing baseball helped you pick up jujitsu faster because, let's say, you had better awareness of your body, You'd, you already had basic athletic movements? Were there things that you learning picked up? Learning to take instruction, I think, is a Exactly. Did, like, did like this, did, did, did all be... All sort of did, like soft skills that are involved. Exactly. So, so do you feel like you were better dis predisposed to learn jujitsu quicker and more efficiently because of the experience you had playing baseball and these other athletic endeavors? 100% yes, I, I do. I think it helps out. Um, and, and along my journey the whole time, as I did it, pick, chose a martial art to do, I usually did it because I sucked at it. So I would be um, not a great stand-up fighter. So I said, okay, I'm going to learn karate. Hey, I, I, I come, I'm going to learn MMA, and I'm getting it handed to me because I have no ground game. And so now I need to learn jujitsu. Um, and, and now a, a new evolution for me is, hey, my judo, my stand-up isn't as good. I'm good with wrestling, but I want to get better takedowns. So I've started doing judo recently as well. That's so, awesome, man. So I, I try to um, generally do it because um, I'm not good at it. And hopefully I can at least um, pick something up that can add and make me a better martial artist. Um, you know, I think... Um, you know, the MMA fighter really is, especially someone that can handle the stand-up, the takedown, on the ground with jiu-jitsu, that's the most complete martial artist, in my opinion. Um, I think right now we're focused on jiu-jitsu. I think it's a great base art. Um, I think that it's, uh, it, it, there's so much that you can expand off of that. But jiu-jitsu now is my base martial art. Um, before, I would have said karate was my base martial art. Um, but I haven't done st any stand-up work probably, and um, I think I did a karate class at Julius's school probably about two years ago. You know, I hadn't put the karate gi on in a while, and I went and um, did that. So when you, so walk us through, when did you first start doing traditional martial arts, and take us through that journey to eventually starting sure. jujitsu? So. Um, you know, they in martial arts, I never did any as the youth. So probably my first exposure would have been while I was in the military. And so really, they, so as an adult, yeah. Was so really, it, well, you know, it, I I went in the military when I was nineteen. So I mean, You're an adult. are you I mean, an adult I mean, at nineteen? I, I don't consider Pro them adults probably now, not. but like <laughs> my twenty-five-year-old would consider a yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think you're a fully developed adult at that point. You barely um, legally you are. You you really are legally. <laughs> legally you're legally. You uh, I mean, at that time, you couldn't have a beer or do anything like that I mean but um, you could join the army you could vote and you could do all that stuff but so probably the military um, you know they have a real at that time poor hand-to-hand -hand type combat thing that you would probably in my four and a half years um, in the army we would have done for maybe eight or ten hours so my to answer your question the first time would have been after I got out of the army probably about a year after I did um, 
Shito Ru Karate, a traditional. Um, where where was that? So it would have been in Altamont, um, is where it was. Is it the place that's above the Hooters yeah. in the Walmart Plaza? It, it was on an upstairs. Upstairs, thing. really? Yeah. Okay. All and right. And then the guy moved his gym to like more of a warehouse type setting on Sunshine Lane. Yes. Did yeah. You, did you train there? No, I know him. Okay. And um, yeah. And, and and six and, degrees. Again. And, and was yeah. And I, I trained with him for about a year. And um, what's interesting is an instructor that I had later on was his instructor. How did you find that school? Um, I think I just looked in the phone book. I mean, you, you actually had yellow pages at the time. <laughs> yeah, as wild as that, you had a, a yellow. You didn't have a Google search. Yellow pages. <laughs> yellow, yeah. Shout out to the yellow pages. Uh, they still exist, right? Yp.com. <laughs> well, they try to get businesses to advertise here, but I don't. Who, who the heck knows? I don't think anybody goes there and stuff. But I think that's how I found them. Um, you know, I I enjoyed it, but I just didn't have time because that was right when I was starting school, and that got into that phase I was talking about where the focus was work working full-time going to school full-time you were working and going to school at the same time yeah yeah oh, wow. like 50 60 hours and then a full-time load Holy shit. um you know you know 15 some one semester i took 15 hours while working full-time so good god <laughs> so it can yeah that can so be you it. took a break when you started karate shitoru shitoru with an s that time okay um and then um I, I got back into martial arts when my son, so my son would have been five, so in 2002 is when I got back into martial arts, is we enrolled him in a karate school because I wanted, again, wanted him to do something physical as well. And so um, my mom had been an administrator at um, in Orange County Public Schools. She was like an assistant principal, and she knew the guy that had a bunch of um, karate oh, cool. schools. Um, you know, Which school did your, was your mom a... Um, it's the one overall I'm, I'm missing that i'm drawing a blank on the name right now it's in the rainbow was one of them oh really yeah uh, no veto um no uh, no sunrise sunrise, sunrise. okay yeah sunrise yeah. it's in orlando she yeah. was in orange County okay. oh, orange and County. stuff um so it would have been um silverman um shihan silverman oh, which so, is oh, central was... florida championship karate was what it was at the so time. this was before it was championship martial arts yeah i think we called it cfck, CFCK at, okay, at the right. time yeah. And I would have started in Oviedo, right there on Broadway, is where. where the one, well, they're all in public plazas, but yeah, it was in the public. Yeah, they, 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 like they, they know their stuff, man. There's always a UPS store, a a karate school, a hairdresser, a Chinese restaurant, all in public plazas. That's this, and it's always a championship martial arts yeah. in the Publix. It, so it, you live in Oviedo then? I live in Oviedo, and so I went to that school, um, and then um, hit this girl in the head. started um, cross training. I actually cross trained at the first gym that we had it was uh like um cardio kickboxing so dean and university dean and university before it became a jujitsu gym was a cardio kickbox gym so that's what the rig came from that 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 was what that was the big like rig when you walked into the left hand side and Um, later he moved what was an l right they they didn't do anything in a ring per se um but i think the ring came with hanato Tavares when when they opened that up but um so they they Silverman wanted to do some MMA stuff, and he partnered with um, with Hanato Tavares, or Hanato came in, but and used the same space. I'm not sure the the business arrangement. I do, they, they, but, I'm not, but yeah, that's another story <laughs> what, what they had, and um, you know, they did a Matt Hughes seminar, and a couple guys from the karate school came over. And Matt Hughes did a seminar he, at that place. At that place, yeah, with that, them floor bags things. He the, he did a seminar right there. I was like, what did I miss back in the day, Chris? <laughs> So they had um, Matt Hughes came in. Then the day of the uh, 
uh, Tiago Pitbull from AATT. He came up, He too? came up, and he was like, he had just gotten in the UFC. He came up for the seminar. So this would have probably been in, like, October of 2016. Would have been about the time frame. Six. 2006. Six, six. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Six. I, was, I was like, oh, that's Yeah, it. sorry yeah, about 16. that. Right. 2006. And so... Um, I maybe it was a little maybe it was early it, it had to have been late because I started in um, February of 2007 is when I started and I was at that time still doing karate and cross training karate um, and Oviedo and Oviedo and, and, and then the, cross training the, the, the kick punch the, fitness or well with well the yeah before the gym opened up for um, jujitsu cardio kickboxing. It was cardio kickboxing. I, th- I think they you guys the called kick- it. I think it's kick punch fitness. That's what you guys. That's called what it. we. Yeah, all right, all right, sorry, <laughs> they they called it. They called that's it your bias. <laughs> that, well, wait. What, when you say that's what you guys called it, who were you guys? Tell me the clique you were in at this time, Chris. No, no. I think that's when Paul took over after they booted Hanato. They called Instead it that. Paul, absolutely. Because like, cage fitness is a trademark thing, right? Like, because yes. that's what Matt Hughes was doing. And yes. that's like he's on the posters. I think Jason Patino is in the damn video. He was in the video. Yeah, yeah, he's in like the promo video for it. So like there's cardio kickboxing, which you were doing. Yeah. Cage fitness is what the, like the branded thing that um they, they, like all those market those bags with the straps on them that say cage fitness. Those they are from Kate. they're from Century Martial Arts, all by way of Silverman, and they're, they're very good business people. Um, and then when. Paul came in. This on the schedule wasn't cage fitness; it was kick punch fitness. That's correct. So they re- <laughs> okay. So it's like uh, all these CrossFit gyms that you see that used to be CrossFit gyms now it's just like Red Fire and Blood and Chains, and they remove the CrossFit thing. Or functional fitness. Yeah, we just don't want to pay the damn thing, you know. So, so you just spray painted out the the logos yeah, on yeah. the bags. <laughs> but so you were doing that. Um. And, and trying to take some, um, I, I was doing MMA. I mean, I and doing MMA, MMA by way of Hanato. Hanato and 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 and, and I, I probably took a couple of gi, let's say, probably ten gi classes because my focus was cross training on MMA at the time. What was like, aside from just fitness, sticking with martial arts to maintain that level of fitness? What was your ultimate goal? Was it self defense? Was it? just structure was it just the thing that you've found the most fun like why did you stick with martial arts versus doing another team sport uh it was fun uh, i i mean i liked it um i enjoyed the competition the camaraderie um it's really um i i liked the challenge of getting better um i really liked and the reason why i've stuck with the gym the whole time is the people at the gym push you to get better um and stuff and the quality was and still is was and still is very high at the gym and that's how you get better in my opinion as a martial artist is you have to get outside of your comfort zone you have to train with people that are better than you to push you to get better and help you solve problems that you're having if they are better than you they may be physically better and they may always beat you and i've had guys i've trained with the entire time that I've trained that are still better than me and still can beat me anytime we go on the mat um, and stuff. And I'm okay with that because the thing that's good with that, in my opinion, is that I get better. My timing is better. I anticipate things better because I'm able to train with them. And that's how I, I, I think you evolve. Was there any end goal? 
I don't think so, Chris. I think my, my end goal is just to train as long as I can. And one thing that was kind of cool in this last three and a half years is I always thought as I, I'm approaching 50, I'm 48, I go, man, my body's breaking down. And so, you know, I talked about how it was hurt and I go, um, I'm not going to be able to do this much longer is what I was thinking the whole time. And, um, you know, luckily, you know, you get somebody like a Jim Andrews, good friend of mine that says, hey, man, get your butt back in the gym. Or Paul would Paul one time saw one of the coolest things he said. He saw me like jogging one day and he said, hey, man, get your ass back in the gym. You know, I was exercising, but, uh, you know, it's good when people when you're not able to train or you're not here and you should be when you have your friends reach out and say hey you need to get your butt back in the gym and stuff and um, you know I think the only way you can get better as a martial artist is to continue to evolve and um, and, and try to work your game and stuff and and, and I and the, one other thing too that I think is important and this has kind of been more of a focus the last year year and a half is help other people get better i know that's always in your dna is for chris vu's always try to help other people get better but um i think that's also part of you know evolving as a martial artist it's not just about you it's really about helping your teammates get better as well and i think nothing's because i know my time on the mat um will be limited but you know the knowledge we can pass on to our friends other people and then they can pass on to somebody that's what kind of keeps the um you know what we're doing um pure in my opinion so it, it sounds like from a goal point of view you are very much a lifestyle martial artist like this is what you you found something that you're passionate about that you love that you want a part of your life as much as you can and you're just going to keep doing it as long as your body and i don't see why you can't do it well into the glory days you know what i mean like i really with the way lifestyle i mean he's also competitive as well like he's he's competed on on an international level right i mean like i'm i'm a lifestyle martial artist because like i'm the least competitive guy here right but like he's he's actually trained for competition though so he's willing to step out of his comfort zone and do that what made you decide to so like going from what made you transition away from karate and traditional martial arts and really spearhead doing the more combat sports versus martial arts. Let's just say it that way. So I like contact. Um, I like um, whether it's in grappling, um, hitting, being hit. I like that. Um, I played contact football. I enjoy that part of the um, of either athletics or what we do here. Um, Jiu-jitsu, um, one thing that's – and I've heard you guys talk about going hard. One thing that we can do – for the most part, is if we go close to 100% with someone, it's really you, you probably aren't going to get hurt if you're going with someone that understands what you're doing. You know, they have a basic understanding. Um, they have normal reactions to certain things. Um, I like that with jujitsu, we can go hard um, with the right people. I mean, you, you don't want to go hard with a brand new person or someone that doesn't want to go hard with you and you can challenge yourself to get better. I, I love the contact. So that was probably the first thing, um, you know, different from, um, you know, MMA, you know, or Muay Thai, when, when you go hard in, in one of those, I mean, you can get hurt. I mean, when you start throwing with bad intentions and hitting people in the face, nobody likes to get hit in the face. You can hurt somebody um, and you can get hurt kicked in the leg. There's a lot of things that can happen. But for the most part, if you're smart and you know when to tap and you're 
understand that what you're doing is having an impact on your your, your friend that you're rolling with, um, you can limit the you know the action that could hurt hurt them potentially and stuff. So that really ha- and the um, I love problem solving. You know, I'm an accountant by trade, and so I love you know more recently as I try to solve problems of situations that I'm having trouble with, I love the problem solving aspect of jujitsu. Um, I know people say human chess, but I really like that. Um, and I like to see people that are really book smart <laughs> getting good at jujitsu because of their efforts and studying, drilling and practicing Because um, that's one thing that's changed too in this last three and a half years is, um, and I've told you this, Chris, is, I would come to class the whole time and I'd be thinking about, hey, I'm going to roll with that guy, that guy, that guy. This is what I'm going to do. That would, And I wasn't paying as much attention in class. Really? So you're you're that transparent about that, that you you were going to class and you had your hit list. It's like, well, not, you know, not, opponent number one, <laughs> opponent number two, opponent number three. Not really a hit list, but I would know who Paul was going to match me up with. He would always match me up with a big guy that was like me, um, a, an aggressive guy. And so I know that I was going to go with that guy, that guy. And I would be anticipating that throughout the class versus focused on the training. And I think that really what I should have been focused on is the training, the technique, because that's how I would have got better at jujitsu at that point, not worrying about the roles and the and, and the live grappling because you're just in those roles you're just working on stamina toughness whatever yeah i'm sure i think i applaud you for saying that because i'm sure that's you're not the only person that yeah, is like that on the, not the only. i think humans in general we're, we're all we all have egos right we're always comparing so i think the fact that you admit that i think some people will listen that oh yeah i do that too you know i just don't tell anybody that but i do that too so i think i i mean i think that's totally honest like i i mean i'm like that there are certain people oh, I, certain days yeah we're just like yeah like it's um so when you, you stepped away from traditional i'll call them tmas right traditional martial arts you just kind of you Paul stepped into the picture. Tavari, how many actual sessions did you have with Tavares? And were you only doing kick punch fitness, or were you doing MMA and jujitsu with him, or what was? So that? I was doing the um, the the kick punch fitness stuff just to kind of for fitness. And Gen- who, who was teaching that at the time? I don't even remember. It, they may have had a. Oh, really? I, I don't even remember at the time um, who was doing that. Um, I remember. For jujitsu, it was Fabian, um, and it was Jensen. Oh, so Fabian and Jensen were hired and by it was H- Hinato. To, they were all training there. Really? Yeah, and and, and those guys. They, I mean, obviously super high level. They were. I think they were both brown belts at the time. I can't remember. Both. Jensen definitely was a brown belt, and Fabian was a belt above him. So they're probably the same belt at the same time. Yeah. So they were probably you know real. Uh, Fabian got promoted to black belt soon after that. If he wasn't a black yeah. belt right then. And so they would kind of do the jujitsu classes occasionally. They were actually teaching. They were. They were. They were te- uh, absolutely. They were teaching okay, some right. too. I, is that's what I remember now. So, <laughs> as a weird, not to cut you off, but so my first jujitsu class ever. Guess who taught the class? Uh, Fabian. Fabian was a brown belt, and Jensen was a purple belt. Wow. Yeah. Cartwheel guard pass. <laughs> first lesson. That. <laughs> no stripe white belt. No stripe. Literally, two dudes, me and my buddy Steve Nyland, off the street, came in to join. At the time, it was Marcio Simas Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, not even Gracie Baja. Fabian and Jensen teaching. Cartwheel guard pass. Lesson number one. Yeah, but I, you you could do that because of your your. Um 
past martial. I mean, you had that. You nailed that. On what, hap- what happened to your friend? Did he <laughs> stick with martial arts? Did you- so he continued to train jujitsu while I was doing Muay Thai. And he was a high school wrestler anyway. So, like, he was just... And he's just, like, this guy who, like... I'm trying to think of somebody who doesn't look necessarily, like, super athletic, but is strong as fuck here. But he was that guy. He came from New York. He's this high school wrestler, strong as hell. Um, gave up jujitsu. I think he continued to train with Mitch afterwards. But either way, yeah, this is Kali. So you, you train with Jensen, and, and, and so you're – how many days a week were you doing karate at that point? I would have been doing karate at least three or four times a week. Oh, so yeah, you were super yeah. consistent with yeah, karate. Yeah, at that point, I was real consistent. I think I was like – I'd been doing it for six years. I was getting ready to possibly test for third degree. So um, I never did test for third degree because I made the transition over and didn't learn all the katas and stuff that you, you needed to do. Why did you give it up? Um, I actually, in, in my mind, was taking a break because I really wanted to focus on jujitsu. I knew that it was a whole – in my game, um, that I wasn't good on the ground, um, that, uh, and I needed to get better, um, just to be a better martial artist, um, and stuff is, uh, it's such an important part. Uh, that first instructor that, that, you know, that you talked about, he, he always talked about jujitsu, even though he was showing us karate. And he always said that it doesn't matter whether you start standing up or, or on the ground, you're always going to get up on the ground. So whether it's figuring out how to get back up off the ground or how to take someone down, you're going to be on the ground. And so he had a background in jujitsu. Um, the probably one of the best martial, greatest martial artists that I know, his name is Shihan Bulldog Kelly. Um, I don't know if you, he was his instructor King. It was Sensei King. Who's now a, Sh- you need to know this person. Chris King is the Jim yeah, King is that, the, that, is that, the, that, Shi- the Shitoru. Yeah. And, I don't know. And, who and his instructor was Bulldog Kelly. Okay. And so if you were doing martial arts back in Orlando in the sixties, like if you were a cop back then, you would have done Bulldog's gym. Oh, really? he, he, he was the beat him up MMA type gym. You know, for traditional martial arts back then, I mean, he is um, as high of a level martial artist as you can have. I mean, he um, he is a, like an American samurai type of guy, <laughs> is what that guy is. This is I find this interesting because I've heard, and you guys can correct me on this, that karate before the '90s, before it became really popularized, as people say, by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it really became catered towards targeting kids and stuff. In the 70s and the 60s, that was there was ground fighting. There was, for lack of a better term, more of a toughness to it, more of an edge to it, more of an MMA to it. Is that fair to say, or am I misinformed? Bro, I'm 37 years old, man. But you're a historian, Chris. I guess, okay, so, like, if you watch something like Fighting Black Kings, so there's, if you watch, like, the, the tournaments and stuff that, like, somebody like Bill Wallace came up in, or um, Joe Lewis... And or somebody like you know just like or like Chuck Norris even, it was weird. No face contact karate by the hands you could kick to the face. It was good hard body hits with limited grappling. Like I would say, like if you close the distance enough, you could like do like a judo trip and end like a like a like a, a fake face punch. So like I think that's sort of the rule set you're talking about, right? Where there was a bit more contact. Yeah, these guys would have probably punched each other in the face. Would have been um, it, it, so Bulldog or Shihan Kelly. He, um, you know, he would have done he, his first one. Would have been judo. He would have learned judo in um, Japan. Oh, so uh, was he like a vet? 
Um, yeah, he was. Okay, so that makes a lot so of sense. So he learned yeah, yeah. judo. So over he there. learned something that was actually probably pretty close to jujitsu, or yes. to, to what we yes. know as jujitsu. Yeah, he had, he called it taijitsu, and and literally when he would grab taijitsu, that's what he called it, I think, um, because and Thai is in like Thailand, just like Muay Thai. No, 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 no. T A I. Yeah, yeah, taijitsu, just like that. Yeah. So what is that a der- so derivation you go back from? To like the history of like karate and aikido and jujitsu and stuff like. So m- <laughs> this is mind you, this is like third hand by way of like John Danaher's book from two thousand five. I'm pretty sur- sure everything sort of post um, feudal Japan became aiki jujitsu, and then there were became excuse me, styles of jujitsu within that. And, like, that's where you get, like, Aikido, Judo, Jiu-Jitsu, Taijitsu. Well, when, when Dylan says, I did Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, what is he referring to? He's referring to one of the many styles of Japanese... Wait, Dylan Gower? Yes. Dylan Gower says he did Jiu-Jitsu? Japanese Jiu-Jitsu and Aikido. So what happened is he put me in a weird fit, wrist lock... And I was like, what is that? He's like, well, I did Japanese jiu-jitsu, and that, that was something in there, along with Aikido. Really? I, didn't, I, I always thought he was a judo-like brown belt. He was. Maybe he, he is. is. He is, okay, not was. So. Yeah, his, he did judo, um, and it wouldn't surprise me that he would do that. Ooh, I think we have a, as well. an idea for an, a guest soon, because i got to pick his brain. But so he did ja- Ooh, By the way, when this happens, we'll have gotten his first degree. Second degree? Oh, second degree? Second degree? I thought he'd been a black belt for four years. It's at least four. Yeah, it was when we were over on it's either um, four or six. Goldenrod. It's, well, Paul it's, is putting a degree on his black belt today at his gym. Probably in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> As of this recording, when this drops, is well into the future. Hey, congrats, Dylan. Yeah, awesome, Dylan. Um, so you were doing... So, so with, yeah, with you yeah, steered so, away from traditional martial arts. So yeah, um, but I, I was just talking about uh, how, how is this beer, by the way. It, it's good. Now I I miss the whole um, craft beer revolution um, and stuff. I, I don't really drink beer that often. Um, I probably had a handful last year, and this is the first time that I've ever had uh, this. Chris gave me. No, a, no, they're oh. not sponsors yet. Oh, okay. you don't mention. Never mind. Them. We won't. We won't mention. Do you like the strawberry lager? Don't say the name of the brand. It it, it 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 tasted fine. Yeah, good. <laughs> it was it, it was a solid. Chris has got a lot choice. of a lot of uh, pots in the oven right now. <laughs> He's got a lot working on some sponsors, grubbing, you might say. No, absolutely not. It's a partnership. It's a it's it's a business partnership. You're right. Exactly. So, Kali, you're doing jujitsu now. What was your experience moving up the ranks? My understanding is you trained exclusively under Paul. In terms of getting promoted, I'm, I'm sure you went to other schools and dropped in. I know you're a fan of traveling around, and I do want to touch on that because you're one of the few people that I know at this gym that has extensively dropped into other gyms. And I want outside of Central Florida, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and we're talking about Marcelo's, Henzo's. Yeah, we, we. So I want to talk on that because I think talking about the etiquette behind that yeah. and and how that is is a really interesting topic. And one I think people probably need to get educated on a little bit. At least I would say. Because what we do at our school might not be what people do at other schools. But let's not get ahead of ourselves because I, I want to finish this timeline from you starting all the way up to you getting your black belt. Because I opened with, what did it feel like getting your black belt? And yeah, we started with the end first, but let's come all the way up to that and then move forward. So 
you started training with Paul. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you trade for the predominantly under Paul all the way up to black belt. The, the whole time I've, I've trained jujitsu, it's been under Paul or under a student of, uh, okay. of Paul. So one of Paul's black belts or brown belts or even blue belts at time. I mean, at the beginning, he, he would have a blue belt um, sure. leading the class like a Steve Ramos would have been a blue belt leading the white belt class. And I've um, heard Steve Ramos he was a beast. would rip people off. Well, he's well, a beast, well, man. He's the typical, like, he could be off for six months, come in and just clean the floor. He's like a Zach. Like Zach. Just comes back. And he won the Ultimate Fighter Mexico, I think, or Latin America. Yeah, so like there was some like bootleg uh, Ultimate Fighter show in Mexico, and he won it. It was like El Ultimo, <laughs> Ultimo Luchadoro. Yeah, so something like that, right? Yeah, he flew down there. That was at Dina University, right? He. Yeah, he's he's legit one of the best grapplers that I I've gone with in my time, bro. Uh, I mean, like he, snaps. Like zip ties with his bare hands, just like, pink, pink. like there, it's ridiculous. So there were when I did my blue belt test, um, he was testing for purple belt, and um, you know when we were doing our random or the gauntlet, whatever you want to call that, is there were a couple of blue belts that had to go with him or guys that were going to go for their blue belt, and he tore them up so bad that Paul said, "Hey man, he's not going to even go the <laughs> like, next round because I'm he like, was both of you attacking at one time <laughs> because <laughs> because Steve was working him over that good. He I mean he was legit good, and um, I will from that blue belt test. There is a funny story. I want to say one funny story about that. Blue no, go for it. So um, we're doing a gi test for blue belt. And um, Kenny, and I think everybody knows who Kenny is. Uh, I know Kenny. Do you yeah. know who Kenny is? I, I've heard stories about Kenny. So, he's the homeless guy then. <laughs> yes, I, I heard stories about Kenny. I don't know if but we want to talk anymore. about Kenny too, too much because... Is he not? I don't think so. Have you seen Kenny lately? I haven't seen him recently. You realize he's like Brian McKenzie size. Uh, I saw he, the last time I saw him, he came into the gym. Yeah, I, I got to big, roll with him. Yeah. He was a little bigger than the last time we. A trained. little bigger? I didn't even wreck. I, I did the thing. I might have mistaken him for Brian McKenzie right off the bat. I did the thing, you know. I'll just leave it right there. But um, but any <laughs> two beers in by the way. But but on the on the test, so we're doing a gi test, right? And they start to stand up, and when you say gi test, is this? grappling or technique so we at that time the way we did it is we had um a list of techniques that paul would and it's similar to what we're doing now a list of techniques we would paul could ask you to do the techniques and then we had like a i think it was like a three minute free flow where you would show all of the techniques um as well and then i think we were doing two five-minute rounds for Blue Belt at the time where they would rotate a new guy in like every minute. Sure. I, I can't... Now. Real similar yeah. to what we're doing now. But... And, and it may have been every 2.30. I think it was every 2.30, um, which makes it... It can be more challenging if 2.30, especially if you're going with like a, a Steve Ramos or something like that. When I did it, I was every 2.30 subsequent because we had so many upper belts, we could actually rotate in every one minute on the white belts. One, one minute is really challenging if you're rotating a new guy in every minute. So Kenny, when it's the bell goes or Paul says go, Kenny literally takes his gi top off. Now, again, we're tested for gi. <laughs> I like this story already. 
he wasn't going with me. He was going. He would have been going. But he with was me. testing at the same time. He you was, were testing. Yes, and, he's, and you were both testing for your blue belt. He's testing for his blue belt. I and like this. Takes, this is a good strategy. Takes his <laughs> no gi- lapel guard if the gi is he not there. He takes his gi off, and all Paul goes is time. He goes, come on, man. He goes, this is a gi test. <laughs> Gotta put your gi top back on. And he made Kenny put his gi top on. Did Kenny and, explain what he was thinking? No, I don't know what he was thinking. I. I, I, I <laughs> Thinking and Kenny are two words that are should be mutually exclusive. But but that's one of my my, my favorite stories that we've had is the gi test where he took his gi top off. I mean that's not gonna work. Did he have a rash guard or was he just shirtless? He he probably was shirtless. <laughs> Even that this is like pre like billions of companies of rash guards, mind you. So like yeah, he probably this was, is probably like during that time where if you had a rash guard, you had to go literally buy like a surfing rash guard, you know. And it could, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, like, it could have been one of the rank shirts. Oh my god! Oh, wow, that's so crazy. Who, who knows? Now, what about for your purple belt? Did you have to test for that, or were you just awarded that? Yeah, yeah. Um, we we tested for that too, and it you know it. We had about, I think we had about seven people that tested. Um, so that was an interesting test. We, um, we did the technique test. We did the, um, we, we showed our, um, we, we did the free roam or whatever you want to call that. And then we did our live training. And then we didn't get promoted for about a month. Paul's mentioned this to me that there was a time for what, and I forget the reason where he tested all these people and they had to wait a month before they got actually promoted. So, it, it, was it, that because of the gym being moved or something? No, it was because of the people that I tested with. And, and so, um, I, 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 I come, like Chris said, from traditional martial artists. So, a couple things that I won't do is I won't ask the instructor, hey, are you going to promote me? I won't, I don't ask a higher belt. For the most part, I may have done it a couple of times. I never asked a higher belt to, to, to roll with me. Um, if they wanted to roll with me, I was very happy. I think if they were a real close friend, I may have asked somebody occasionally. And if we were at some time the same rank, I may have asked and violated my protocol. But at, that was at our gym. And we don't have a protocol at our gym like that. I mean, you can ask anybody to roll. And I'm very comfortable with anybody asking me to roll. But I just didn't do that. But they, they were asking Paul, hey, man, when are we going to get our belt and, and all of that? Oh. And, and so it turned into. Oh, so everybody gets punished. <laughs> everybody got. Oh. Punished. <laughs> and so we, we all got to wait. And I think one of them even put a note, like with a knife on it, that said, "Hey man, when are we getting our belts?" And Paul told us that story. And, 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 and who was it? It was um, Crotty. Crotty. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eric Crotty did that. I we think I can't remember. And so again, it ended up being about a month. I can't remember if we had a ceremony or if it was one day in class. I do have a photo of all of us standing together. So um, Paul must have done it, you know, one of the classes. But it, it wasn't like a, we do now a, a Saturday. It was like just a random day that we all got our belts. Um, and, and I do want to tell you the coolest one that I, I, I've seen or not seen. And Paul's posted it a couple times. Is We had a guy we trained with. I trained with him for probably two, three years. Um, Gatehouse, Tony Gatehouse. Um, he's in the in the Navy. Oh, okay. Funny story. So sorry to interrupt. I heard us. I got a Tony Gatehouse story from yesterday or two days ago. My the last class I'm in, we're doing the waiter sweep, and I'm the uke for Paul. And Paul's talking about well, when you do the waiter sweep, don't be lazy. Make sure you come up fast because a guy a guy with well, he talked about hurting the person's knee, but he said. Another person can just get you in this position. He said, I've seen this happen once. 
in a competition where the guy came up slow and got stuck, and then the opponent who was being swept just squeezed his legs together. And he's like, if, if, so he's like, imagine like if someone has Tony Gatehouse legs and every, and, oh, he, and only, sandwich, <laughs> but with his legs, exactly. And, uh, and only, only Jamie and Mark Peace got it. I was like, who's this Tony Gatehouse guy? And then he explained that this guy's legs were so strong that he could have, he, he tried to pass this guy's guard and he'd have his hand pinned between his thighs and he'd have to go back and actually physically remove his hand. Cause he couldn't just like pull it out. When he's pa- so imagine having a lasso guard and trying to break a lasso guard, except he doesn't have a lasso. He just has your hand pinned between <laughs> his, his thighs. That's how. He, yeah, he's real strong. He's a great guy. And, you know, over the, the time that I train, there's always, you know, there's times in, in 13 years where there's a guy that, hey, that's my consistent training partner i'm gonna get every time i roll paul's gonna match me up with him because you know we were real we were same belt or or within one belt of each other um i think he was a blue belt and i was a purple belt but um tony got promoted on the spot during class during live rolling that's the video i don't know if you've seen i don't think i've seen that video but he's posted it a couple times but literally we were doing Randori, and Paul came out with the belt, and I think he like hit him on the back, and um, and 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 stopped the roll and promoted him right then. That's pretty which cool. was pretty cool, and he deserved it. I mean, he was a great guy. Um, you what know, belt did he get then? He, he a purple belt. A purple. Okay. Yeah, and he's almost a black belt. He trains up in Jacksonville. You know, I follow him on on Facebook, um, and he's retired from the military now. Um, but he has a funny story too that that I do want to say his funny competition story. And he posted it on Facebook. Is he was doing some tournament and. Um, and he's a big guy. He's two two twenty to two forty. He's probably two forty now. And the guy he's going up against is four hundred pounds. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> he, he's four hundred pounds, Chris. This is the biggest man you've ever seen. He looks like like it, football player big or like like, just, like strong man big, like strong man so, big. So he's this guy's oh like a God. executive banker type. And so Gatehouse. So listen to this. He's outweighed by a hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> At Gatehouse goes, hey man, you know what my strategy is going to be? I'm going to shoot in, double leg this guy, and take him down. And so, Tony... Why would you make that your strategy on somebody else? My weight, bigger than This is a 400-pound man. And, you know, you go to these tournaments, usually... There may be a guy that's over 300 pounds, but usually once they start getting well over 300 pounds, they don't have the cardio to do yeah, anything. Yeah, it's, a, it's not a solid 300. Yeah, right? but this guy was just a large man. He was like 6'6 six, six plus, just oh a big, God. large dude. And so Tony shoots in, and, 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 and the guy sprawls. And, and lays on him for the next five <laughs> minutes. Oh, I thought he was going to end way differently. No, man. Like, no. I thought you were going to give him some huge super No, no, no. Tony, like, poor Tony, could it be? He was stuck, man, underneath this big, large man, and the guy was huge, and it was just like a, a, a grappling strategy that didn't work, and, and, like, and he was stuck for the whole time. Like so pancaked him completely. Pancaked him for five minutes, man. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> poor guy. He still talks about it. He posted Is with that it. No, but this is who Mikey won his first fight at Absolutes. So Mikey Musinesi, oh he beat this guy. Just taking it back and just yeah, okay. No, I don't know what he did. He won close. Then he lost. Then he lost to uh, Muhammad Ali. So to answer, but it was a really good fight. But sorry to go. No, no, no worries. But um, formal test for blue belt and um, brown belt. Uh, I mean, um, purple belt and then. As, as it did in the black yeah, belt as well. I was there. I was there for your brown belt. Yeah, because you was, got, I was. You got promoted at Longwood. Yeah. Yep. 
and then you came over here and Laborio was here for the brown belt and um, I think Paul po- um, promoted about you know four or five guys it was you um, Ryan Ryan uh, Tyler shout out to Tyler um, Steve Wynn Steve Wynn that's right um, there was at least four or five yeah it was a lot I, I have the picture somewhere and these are all from purple to brown from purple to brown yeah because like me Cole Morrow Bert Brian right Brian McKenzie got his from. Uh, he actually got his from Black Box, so um, so we got the the week before. And the next week, Laborio gave Paul his third stripe. Yes. Yeah, yeah, his third stripe on his black belt, and that was at Orlando's promotion. Yeah, here at Orlando, yeah. which is also an inventory day for me, incidentally. So, you and your inventory. You're an accountant, so you understand. Yeah, I understand. So I'm trying to think now. You so what year was it that you got your brown belt? It would have been three years ago in January, so probably about three years I, three years I from check today. Checker. He can check. He uh-huh, can check, got, but right bastard. right around three years is what it was. And are you are verified now? No, I'm not verified. Okay, so we're back to a little over a month ago. Paul calls your name. He puts a black belt around your waist. What's going through your head? Um. A lot of emotion, um, you know. Um, it, 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 you feel amazing. Um, you're there because of really all your teammates is why you're there because you were able to train with them. They helped um, get you to that point, and you never are ready or think you're ready. And it even makes it even harder because now you just have to. I mean, hopefully you're focusing the whole time, but you focus even more. I mean, I can I can just go from. The last time I got promoted as a brown belt, it invigorated me and really um, caused me to, to, to change, to try to evolve. And that's what I'm trying to do now. I'm trying to evolve and, and get better at jiu-jitsu because, um, you know, I need to. I need to. Um, I, I need to get better um, when I'm leading a class. I need to get better with my technique. I need to get better when I'm rolling. The rolling part is going to be more challenging because as you age, that's the part of your game that will break down. So really, I I, I, I didn't talk about how I felt more comfortable that the end wasn't near. As, um, you know, I, I had a chance to train with a good friend of mine, Tarsus Paula, for about two or three, um, two to three years. I probably did... Um, a couple hundred hours with him. How did you get involved with Tarsus? Um, so I was going to the morning class because of my work schedule. It's easier for me to train in the morning um, because you know in the evening I, I, it just it doesn't work as good for me to train in the evening. So I need to be morning and weekends is when I train. And they they had a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class over there, and I got to train with him and Julius um, pretty consistently along with a bunch of brand new white belts for about two years. So we really were focusing on basic techniques, the techniques when I wasn't in class paying attention, that the details that I missed the first, second, third, fourth time around that kind of helped me evolve from a technique perspective. Um, and then also getting to roll with two real super high level guys because of the guys that I train with and go with I mean, Julius is the top, you know, one of the top of the food chain, um, and so is Tarsus. They're also great grapplers, and so it really um, helped out. But the thing that he, a couple things that he taught me that still stick with me is 
I, I heard you say it on one of your podcasts. If you want to pass the closed guard, you need to stand up. I, I mean, I, I had a guy tell me that for three years, and I, I, I and it, it was after I stopped trading with him consistently that it finally sunk in. I go, man, I got to stand up to pass guard, um, and and I think that that's a core thing. Um, you can pass guard on your knees, and I can get away with it. Um, from time to times, but as a person's guard retention gets better, it makes it more challenging to try to pass on your knees. At least that's what I've found. Yeah, and- I, in my experience, since you made that transition to trying to work on your feet versus if your knees, it's been much harder to keep you off me, yeah. like a hundred percent. Do you have you noticed a difference between? Because I mean, like everything always goes back to Paul, right? Like because he's the originator of Orlando here of MMA and Jiu Jitsu. Um, one of the at least um, what what keeps you with and and this is I don't want to make it too political or anything but what keeps you with Paul versus what you know Tarsus did leave East Orlando he started his own gym you know you were getting a lot of mad hours that been 200 hours is a lot of hours um, did you just feel a compulsion to stay here out of loyalty or do you feel the instruction I don't I don't want to make it all weird but I just like no, no, honest no. question you know um, so for me as a martial artist, I, I definitely stay clear of any politics on the mats. That's, that, that'd be the first thing I say. I, 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 I like to have fun. I like to get better as a martial artist. I like to get the people that I'm training with to get better. So um, I, I can tell you that any time that I'm on the mat um, with, with Paul, I learned something new. And especially the way, I mean, the knowledge base, it, it, the, the good thing is, if you're if you're staying abreast with current trends, your game is always evolving, and the the, the level of instruction that we have at the academy, um, where it's at now, from where it was when I started, is night and day. I mean, I I, I was in a, one of our morning classes that we were doing, and Paul was there that morning, and he showed us like a the most simple guard pass, and yeah, I forget which one it was. It was like a stand up to a stand. Yeah, it was just like some real simple guard knee, pass, yeah. like a knee, uh, like a from. Uh, wasn't it from Z guard? He was yeah. showing us like a, a, a real simple Z guard pass, but the details that he gave that that time there, and and whether my ears weren't listening to the same details, or whether those details are now there, and he's articulating when he's teaching, uh, it's just that was world class, and that was just like a a random Tuesday or Thursday morning. It was actually two Tuesdays before we both got our black belts. Yeah, and it and and it was wild. We had like five guys there and and it just you just go bam, it blows your mind on how that was. And so um I I, I love training here and I love I love the people here. I guess that's that's the thing that that kept here. One thing that that I thought was was really cool and I would say unusual is you were when you gave your because uh, you know when you get your black belt it's kind of the expectations you give you a little speech and everyone's there they don't know what to say and but everyone's usually everyone's very gracious you are extremely gracious and obviously like like you said already like you thank everybody as being a part of that but you also like to single out a few people you singled out jim andrews but you also singled out a blue belt in john rumsey who we had on the podcast and I thought that was very interesting for someone that, not because he's a blue belt, but for someone that you've known less than most of the other people. Like Jim, you've known for way longer. What was it about John that made it necessary in your mind to single him out? Not that you're not giving credit to everyone else, but to, to bring him out and to name his name. What made it important to you to do that? So 
and, and I talked about it earlier, there's always that guy that you get matched up with. At times, it's been Jim Andrews, where Paul would always put me where I'm going to roll with Jim. Um, or it would. I wish be, I had seen some of those battles. Like yeah, you know, Jim always tells a story that uh, the first time he met me, I tried to throw him through the window. I, I get because that that that's back. Because what's funny um, is I, I earned the the bull in the china um, shop like multiple times. Paul gave me that before I learned. Um, I was that. I didn't dude. know that, but I was no that. Surprise. I, I was I was that dude for a while. Um, but I've learned. Um, you know, because I was trading over there with the with with white belts. You know, you learn to train at the level that you need to train, plus where you can work on things. Because I think that always training with the same people can keep your game stale. But training with people, different people, helps you work on things. And if I can make it work with this person, maybe I can work with this, and you can move it up, and maybe you can work it against someone that's a similar belt or size. But John. Um, over the last since I've come back, he started over there with um, with Tarsus. He trained, and so he was at every class that I was at. I went to competition with so him. So he was doing morning classes over there, also. Yeah, before okay. he started over here, he and was. When we say there, we're talking about East Orlando. East Orlando, Jeez. and um, yeah, he was doing the the, and so I I, I probably over the last that period of time, no one's been more consistent with him. I've consistently trained with him. Julius, I've consistently trained for that period. I haven't until recently gotten a chance to train with Julius. So, and what's nice with John is he's a similar body size in terms of size, but he's stronger than the guys I would compete against. Um, he's more fit than the people that I would compete against. So he's a great partner to go with to try to simulate what I would potentially be facing in a competition against the you know because the guy that I'm going to go against is not going to be as athletic as John. Um, they're going to be, you know, I'm 48, so they're going to be 45 to 49 years old. They're going to be a big guy. They're going to be over 220 pounds. They're going to be a little more experienced than John because they've trained jujitsu. So because they, at that time when I was competing, they were a brown belt, they've probably trained for three more years than John or four more years. Um, but they, they, they hadn't trained for as many years as, as I had because of the, um, the standards that Paul has for promotions and, and for um, for that. I mean, he, he has high standards, and, you know, you talked about going to other places and training and even going to competition, and I would put our blue belts against other blue belts, our purple belts against other purple belts, brown belts against brown belts. I mean, there's a high standard in our academy, which is important, um, and, uh, you know, that's just how I feel on that. That's, so let's go on to the, the whole traveling thing. What uh, what's it like dropping into gyms, and how do you handle kind of the etiquette behind it? Because you've gone to a bunch of places, and you know where I am with stuff is like like we said, we're not a very traditional school. We adhere to some traditions, but stuff that you mentioned, like um, not if I'm a right now I'm a blue belt. It, it would be out of line for me to ask a purple belt or a brown belt to roll. Here, that's not a problem. Like, I could go up to anybody and be like, hey, you want to roll? And they can say yes or no, but it's not – It's we don't adhere to the belt rank in that respect. Yeah, but, you're not disrespecting them by challenging them. Correct. I even had an experience where we had a school come visit and train with us, and there was a brown belt, and we are doing grip voting, and I turned around, and there's a brown belt. So pick a new partner. I was like, hey. And the guy looked at me kind of like – now I realize what happened, but he looked at me kind of funny, like, what's going on here, you know? And, he, and we grip, we, we, you know, we were grip fighting for a minute, but I could tell that 
it was very likely if the school where he comes from, that was a no-no. That was frowned upon. So I know if I go to another school, I'm going to, I'm going to adhere to the strictest like, protocol possible to not overstep bounds. That being said, Noel, what, um, like, what's your experience been dropping in? What are some of the cool ones you've had? Because you've gone to Marcello's, you've gone to Henzo's. What are the, like? So um, Tarsus encouraged me because he knew I traveled for work. So I travel for work. I probably do... Um, I think I did like 85 days with Marriott last year. Um, you know, some of that's going to be personal, um, but I probably travel about 50 days for work. And so, do you pack a gi? I don't every time. So it depends on the trip. More recently, I'm doing one or two days. And so, what I'll do now is I'll try to fly out like after a morning class. So, like if if I'm in control of the travel and it's a little flexible, um, and I did this this um, past week is I flew out Tuesday afternoon evening so that I could do the class in the morning. Um, and so if I'm doing that, then I don't necessarily have to bring a gi for a two-day trip. But if I was going for five days and I wasn't training and it was a, a tough week the week before and I wasn't able to train as consistently, I would bring a gi. But I didn't do it all the time. And, um, you know, I was going up to New York City. This is probably the first experience that I had that just opened the door for me. Is I was going up to New York City and, um, and, and we were working outside the city in Mount Kis- Kisco, which is Westchester County. And um, Tarsus said, hey, you should stop by Marcello's while you're up there. I trained for like two months when I came to the United States. There was a great gym. There are a good bunch of guys there. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. And I started researching, well, what is the proper etiquette? And so um, I'll give you what I found as I did, as I did my research is um, – you know, the first thing is try to make contact with the gym before you go. I mean, none of this is necessary, but um, either electronically or by phone. So I would send an email. I sent an email and said, hey, um, I'm this age. I'm, I'm, this is my belt rank. Um, I train here. Would it be possible to come to your gym to stop by and train there for a jujitsu session? I'm going to be in the area for work. Do you have any? It, can I do that, basically? So a nice email is how I would start. And... Almost every time that I would send that email, um, I'd get an email back, and they'd say, yeah, sure, you can, you can train. And I'd always ask, do you have a mat fee? Because I think you, you need to address that up front, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it can be weird otherwise. Yeah, because some places will have a mat fee, and as I talk to other people that have done it, you know, Tommy told me one place tried to charge him a $100 mat fee, and um, he just said, yeah, that's not going to work, and <laughs> didn't go train with them. But, um, and so they, they, they came back and said, yeah, since you train an American top team, um, and, and because of Marcelo's relationship with Laborio, being his, you know, Laborio's the godfather um, to the kid and all that stuff. Um, you Is know, he really? Yeah. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, there's a godfather situation okay. for sure. Did you go to the um, Marcelo seminar here a couple I years didn't. ago? I didn't. I oh, didn't. That it? was during the time that I was not as consistent. Oh, really? Man, yeah, or I didn't know awesome, about it. I mean, I, I really, if that ever happened again, I would certainly be there. And, and so... It was twenty dollars. Was the mat fee there? They charge you twenty dollars for Marcelo Garcia Academy mat fee. Yeah, it was forty is the normal mat fee. Forty is actually not yeah. that bad. Especially and, and the mat fee New is York, for the you know? the whole day too. It's not just one class. So really? So it's it, like a day pass. It's a day pass, is what it is. That's awesome. And, and, and you could do like, the morning class, and the morning class is real similar to our morning class, except there's a lot more people. Sure, I mean, um, Marcelo Garcia. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've gone twice to their morning class and different different types of. Um, travel and both times it was a great experience. Both times one of Marcelo's black belts was leading the class, um, and then you know there was probably thirty to forty people 
Um, and it was just a, of all different belts um, up to black belt, um, I always got to train with someone that was similar to me, similar in age, similar in size, similar in skill, which was really, really nice. And, um, you know, I didn't ask anybody to roll there. They just kind of assigned who, who you were going to get to roll with. I think with. that's a tra- because, traditional thing. You know, they like want to see what kind of guy you yeah. are, too. They, you know, if, if you don't train well with the first person you roll with, then next thing you're going to get the gym enforcer is going to come and, like, work you over. <laughs> <It's>, ah, <laughs> right. So um, you, you, you do need to um, have some good etiquette. and so Which I, I don't see you not having good no, etiquette. And, you know, and, like and, you're, and, and, you want most respectful people, and, and not that I would talk about. I don't want to talk about submissions or what you would try to do to any. But I definitely wasn't going to try to submit anybody or do any of that. You know, I, I was. I was actually going to ask that. I, I've. I'm almost of the mind. If I go to a gym and I'm new there, I'm going to defend myself, but I'm actually not going to try and sub anyone because I feel like that would risk escalation of it, it, some kind. Because you don't know me, you, you know, and I, I don't. What do you think? Chris is giving a, a weird look. What do you think about that, Chris? <laughs> so maybe I fucked up. Um, I visited a gym. I've only trained outside of Central Florida one time up in Jacksonville. Um, I was a purple belt nearing my brown belt at the time. It was actually the October. We, we got our brown belts in January. Yeah. I just checked. I, it was in October, and I went, and I, I visited a gym up there. And it was, it was a, I, I searched around. I found a, a smaller gym like ours. Like Not that we're a small gym by any means. We have you know hundreds of members. But it's not like a chain, I guess. Even though we are ATT, that's another story altogether too. But like, I came and I I rolled how I normally do, and like, I don't feel as though I mean I'm not one to push the pace ever. Like you guys both have rolled with me, I'm never do that, right? And like, and I, I might have done okay, you know, and like, perhaps that was bad etiquette on my part. Like I, 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 you, you guys know exactly how my personality is and how I roll. Did you roll any different from how you currently roll? No, but okay. So here's the thing: is I did roll a little differently because I came on a day that there was, I, 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 la- I roll lazy when it's gi class because you can, right? Because you can stall. But it was no gi class, so I had my no gi gear on, and it just tends to be slipperier. And one thing, actually, I was discussing with Brian McKenzie recently, is my. My skill level translates better to no gi than it does to gi because if I do decide to turn on my athleticism, I can actually perform pretty okay. And my cardio can like, you know? And so like, I did pretty okay at the time. And so like, I don't, I actually kind of befriended a handful of guys that I rolled with that day. Um, but I, I didn't hear back from the instructor. So you know who also adheres to this rule is Chewy. What's that? That go in and smash? No, go in and don't submit yeah, any. Go in and don't submit anybody. That, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, of all people, Christopher Vu. I, I didn't <laughs> by any means bully anybody. I mean, like I did. I probably didn't. You just heel hooked a bunch of white belts. No, 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 absolutely not. Like, did, <laughs> did you get to go with the gym enforcer? Yes. In Nogi. And Are like, you secretly a bully when you're not around here? No, 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 no. 100%, right? So, like, this is... Right, I, I'm... So, this is a guy... Okay, so, like, later on, right? Like, so, like, outside... The, uh, completely aside. Like, I was contacted later on, like, after I got my brown belt, I got a random Instagram message from a dude, and I was like... <laughs> you know, it's like I had talked to him, like, a handful of times. I'm like, who the fuck are you, basically, you know? And he's like, oh, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. He's like... 
I remember you beating the shit out of me. Oh, like, you know, I was like, wait, what? You know, and like, I had to remember back. I was like, oh my God, I, I guess I might have, you know, but, um, I, I think. Are you a closet bully, Chris? No, no, absolutely not. No, no, absolutely not. But like, I think the gym enforcer was stuck on me twice and it didn't work. So that they, sounds even worse. That's like it's like got oh, to yeah. go with the gym enforcer twice. Yeah. Subsequent same like this round and the next. I'm, or I'm, I know they're not listening, so maybe I'll. But so like I rolled. What was the gym again? Uh, Shout out to this no, gym. No no, no 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 no. So but like, but I rolled with the dude twice, and it, and I did the thing. And I'm like you know I'm like looking around. And I'm like, and I like I looked at the instructor. And I was like, eh? it was like the last round of the night, and he's like, eh, you go with him. And it was with the the dude I had rolled with already. So like I was like, all right. So I I, I don't know what the situation was. That's I I can tell you the two dudes I roll with. I mean there are a couple people who are smaller. The two dudes I roll with are a lot bigger than me. So and a lot more aggressive than I was. So like I think I was able to use my my speediness outside of a gi a little bit better to to take advantage a little bit. So. Um, sorry. So you're saying you're in travel experiences. You're super respectful. You're you're easily one of the most respectful people I've met in jujitsu. Period. Like you're one of the you know I've told no this. You're, you're one of the the kindest, most humble people I've met. Um, is that from martial arts? Kind of how I have been, was brought up by my by my mom by my parents to kind of kind of do that. I mean, like I mean you were genuine. You're one of the most genuine, kindest. Because you started martial arts later, like yeah. as an as an adult legally, um, and so interestingly, I know your aunt and uncle. Yes, Mike and Phyllis, right? That's right. Who their son is your cousin? That's correct. And he does jujitsu. He does. He does down in Miami now. Okay, awesome. So tell us about that. I I didn't know this, and I, I forgot where it was, but I. So was, he started training with Julius at Julius's gym, Spartan um, BJJ. Um, in was the, it by you recommending them, or I think they just it, it was close to their house, okay. and he just started jujitsu. And it's interesting. I saw him over here at the gym when um, went on one of our promotions. Really? Yeah, because Julius would bring his students oh, over. It may have okay. even been when Julius got his. Um, when he got promoted, but before Julius started doing it all at his school, he came over here for the. That's awesome, man! And um, and and Chad was there uh, did for you, one of them. So was that? So you guys both started training jujitsu independent of one another. Yeah, and didn't even talk about it really. So, really? Yeah, and uh, and never talked about it like ever. Really? No. Do you no. know now? I mean, you know now. I know now. Yeah. Yeah. Have you rolled him? Um, I ha- you know have I rolled with him? I don't think so. I don't think I've rolled with them. I don't know if we rolled that day um, when they did the promotions. So um, you, it's not, it's, it's not something that you guys are like. I'll get you on the mat one. Did you guys grow up together? Like no, no. Oh, okay, no, all, right, all right, no. But um, yeah, anytime I'd be happy to roll. That's awesome. Whenever he would like to. I mean, it would be fun. And f- you know, so Mike is your uncle, right? Right. Okay. All right. Mike is your uncle. Phyllis is his wife. And I know Mike and Phyllis by way of my wife, who's in Kiwanis. Kiwanis with him. Yeah, that's so right. that's how I... Okay. All right. And you also work with Lonnie. Worked with Lonnie. 
I did. I did. Which it, so Lonnie was the HR person for our market um, when he worked for the company that I worked for, and his office was um, a few offices down from me when I was at one of the dealerships um, as the controller. Yeah. Lonnie just uh, um, Lonnie Butcher. Shout out to Lonnie. Was my I had like three classes. He was one of like he was a professor for me three classes in when I was at UCF. So that was a coworker of uh, Collie's. And, and, and Lonnie, which he doesn't know, shout out again to Lonnie, my son is in his class right now. Is he really? Yeah, he took it last semester. Oh. My son doesn't want me to say anything, so I'm probably, if my son ever does listen to this, uh, I'll be That's in trouble. But Lo- he's in Lonnie's um, class last semester. And then the program that he does, because anybody in the College of Business is going to take one of Lonnie. That's true, yeah, We yeah. need to get him doing jujitsu. I would love to. He is one of the most fun people. He would have fun in jiu-jitsu. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, I, I, I became friends with Lonnie after I took his class because I had him become an advisor for one of my clubs. And uh, he, our, our personalities tend to mesh up very well. I, I was kind of wondering with both you guys, since you're one of the, the longer tenured students with Paul, speaking with jiu-jitsu, seeing all the people that have come and gone that you've trained with that have quit that have stuck around what are the main factors that you guys have seen in causing a person to quit or stick with jujitsu um so a lot of it has to do with life happens so whether they have to move whether they have to something happens where their work where they're not able to 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 train jujitsu anymore um they could potentially lose interest in it um Maybe, and, and, and I don't know any specific person that said this to me, maybe they don't know how to deal with um, adversity um, as they're progressing, um, the challenges that they face on the mat. Because when you, when you start learning jujitsu, um, you're getting it handed to you for you know, a long time. Um, you know, you're, you're stuck on the bottom, inside control, somebody's mounted you. And um, if, if you feel uncomfortable with that, um, and you don't want to solve that problem, it, it may not last. And I think those are more of the people that we only see for a few months. Um, maybe they don't like contact. Um, you know, maybe they were looking for something different that they, they didn't understand what they were committing to with jujitsu. But um, as people stay here longer, usually the thing that keeps them out are injuries. I mean, Paul said it one time. Um, he said it, I think, on my brown belt test. He said, you know, the, the guys that get to this point almost all of them are going to make it to black belt. The only thing that's going to stop them from getting there is really if they get hurt. Um, You know, most people, when they put that kind of commitment in to get to even purple belt, brown belt, they're they're, going to stick through as long as their body can hold up. And if their body doesn't hold up, that they rehab it and get ready to get back on the mats. Because, um, you know, I feel like I'm going to be able to train a lot longer than Americans have in jiu-jitsu um, in Brazil and that, that gets to, to Tarsus there's guys there that are 70 years old that are training jiu-jitsu and because it's such a new sport here um, there aren't guys even my age there's very few guys that are approaching 50 that are you know just training in the gym there's guys that have their own school that are 50 but not guys that were you know in their 30s that start jiu-jitsu and are still training i feel like as long as i listen to my body as long as i train consistently because you get hurt if you don't train consistently if i'm not rolling at least semi hard multiple times a week 
when you do roll hard, you can hurt something. So you really have to condition your body to the training that, that, that you're going to have. So um, the, I, to, to answer your question, there's a variety of reasons. I think the longer that they've been here, usually it's injuries. Um, the shorter that has been here, it's probably dealing with the adversity. And in between, it could be a lot of things. But life happens a lot of times for those guys. Because if we have a guy that's trained with us for three years, he didn't all of a sudden lose interest in jujitsu. Something happened where he's not able to train that. And that's why um, having the support of your friends at the gym, your training partners, is important. Because that wayward traveler... Um, you can get them back in and training martial arts again. All you got to do, the longer you're away, the harder it is for you to come back and train. So if I haven't trained for a week, it's really easy for me to come in in a week. But if it's been a month um, and you come back in, and what, what, when you come back in, this is what's interesting. Everybody's gotten way better. That's the thing. I mean, the people are evolving while you're away. They're getting better. They're learning more techniques. The teaching is evolving. Um, there's more details in the techniques. There's things now that chain together that di that weren't chained together. We would show one individual technique, and now we're doing um, a two-month session on um, you know ashi and leg entries, which you know we did that within the last six months, which we hadn't done that the whole time because that's where the game is evolving. I know that's more no gi than gi, but um, being able to defend you know the heel hook and all that stuff. I mean, that's just building that awareness. That's important, and so that's the other thing when. When you're away when you come back are you can you take the adversity of not being able to achieve at the same level you were before to kind of get better because you do have to take a few steps back to go forward with it and stuff so um, I don't know what do you think Chris what do you think the reasons why people stop training hey um it, it, there's no one answer right I mean they, they, that's the ultimate thing I mean like everybody's got their own reasons um, you know, just in our, our instructor meetings we've had and stuff, like, there's one thing that, that like, is it that, th there's that meme, and I get it, and there's some truth to it, is, like, if people, if you don't want something bad enough, you'll make an excuse, and if you do want something, you'll, you'll make the time, basically, right? Um, sometimes people just don't want it bad enough, right? Like, they find something, and there's nothing wrong with that, because people find other passions, um, what I find interesting is like somebody like you, somebody like me, um, we've been in it for, I, I've been in it for almost half my life at this point. You for a good third of your life. Like we've found there's something in jujitsu and, and martial arts and there's something in us that there's that connection that even though we've had layoffs, we find our way back. Whether it's the people, whether it's this sort of like internal drive. I've just never been into team sports, which is why I think I've never like gravitated towards that sort of stuff um what's interesting is you did do team sports right like i'm surprised to hear that somebody who did team sports understands that sort of like dynamic when you got injured didn't get so frustrated and i think that maybe that accounting problem solving side of you saw that and said hey you know i got injured doing this how do i avoid this next time or how do i prevent it from happening again blah 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 because I do enjoy jiu-jitsu, whereas another person who is, I'm not saying they're weaker wielder of the cases, might say, this just isn't for me, I got injured, right? And they'll go and find, they'll play fucking golf or tennis or some bullshit. Not, not that there's anything wrong with this, but, <laughs> but that's just, that's what they find doing, right? And there's just not that, that tiny amount of grit or passion that keeps them coming back to jiu-jitsu. Um, I, I, 
I think everybody can benefit from doing jujitsu. To be honest, I think we're we're all a bit more out of touch with each other and and can stand to sweat in each other's eyeballs some more. I don't know about that part, but I think I think what's interesting is Kali's mentioned this more than anyone. I mean, I, I actually I've never heard of I'm I've never heard another jujitsu practitioner mention this to the degree Kali has, which is your teammates helping bring you back into the fold. And I think that might be from the team sport aspect of things is that you might not be having the best day on the baseball field, but that's why you're part of a team because your teammates will carry you that day and then you'll carry them the next day. And I think with jujitsu being that it is an individual sport. And for me, I played individual. I mean, I played baseball too. baseball and tennis for my two big sports, but I went with tennis. So I was more of an individual type person. So Maybe I'm more egocentric in that way, but I don't think as much to immediately say, hey, get back on the mat. Hey, you need to come and, and participate. And I think that comes from the team sport aspect. I think that's a real positive thing. And I think that's something we could probably do a better job of. But the other thing I've noticed is both you guys have faced significant adversity and life changes, whether it be injury, whether it be having a child. Jamie's done the same thing, right? You know, in the middle of this training. And yes, did that affect your your training routine? Absolutely. There's no doubt that it affected it, but it didn't eliminate it. So I do think there has to be a significant component of this where deep down you either want to keep doing it and it's a part of you and it's a part of your lifestyle or it's not. And the people that walk away... Yes, we might have failed as a gym or as a community to some degree, but it's also on that person for not really enjoying it enough to say, as you said earlier, making the time or the effort or the money, whatever it is, the sacrifice, to always have jujitsu or whatever it be, whether it be talking about, I want to play soccer every day, or I want to do, you know, pick up soccer, you know, it doesn't have to be jujitsu. Do you feel yourself or see yourself going back? I know, I know you started training with Sasaki recently doing judo. Do you see yourself going back to doing MMA or Muay Thai or karate? Um, yes, but um, it, it's more challenging. So every time I say, hey, I'm going to do – I think the last time I did a Muay Thai class, I came in and, and I like – I think I actually um, – it, it was like a Saturday and I was the one doing jiu-jitsu that day. And whoever was going to do Muay Thai, you probably were out of town. Um, and, and, and I had to do Muay Thai that day. And, um, you know, we just did some bag work. But, man, my back was all tweaked up. Um, you know, I, I think you have to work striking. My, my striking, um, the, the thing I was good with striking is my kicks. I could kick in the head. For a guy my size, I could really, my kicks were good. They were You're strong. You're extremely flexible. I'm really, flexible. I'm really yeah. flexible. Like. And um, so the kicks were really what um, I was good at. Um, and, you know, I did train a little bit where, we, where, where Paul would do the, the Friday, um, you know, punt you know whatever you want to call it sparring i guess is the the nicest way to say it uh, for when we were over at goldenrod that's probably when i was the most um consistent it wasn't a long period it was like six months but um you just realize how good those people are and you go man i'm a 45 year old guy or 42 year old guy getting punched in the face this isn't fun as fun as jujitsu um you know nobody likes getting punched in the face i don't think um, uh, you know, maybe there's some people that do. Do you like it? There's a special person that likes getting <laughs> hit in the face. I, I don't, but I think there's a very select few who 
do get something out of it. And so you're going to keep your hands up, but if you're going to train um, and spar MMA or, or spar Muay Thai, you're going to get hit in the face um, and stuff. And so, um, yes, I, I do want to train more stand-up. But right now it's more related to jujitsu. Um, I want to... Um, be able to compete in a year. Um, you do okay. So oh yeah, you have I a definitely good training wanna, schedule down uh, for uh, when yeah, you want to. Yeah, yeah. Wanna, but what's your date that you want to make it happen? I'd love to um, to to compete and um, as a master five at Worlds. Um, and uh, you know, I'm 48. I'll turn 49 in a month. So I think I'll be a master five next year. So I want to use the next year to try to um, focus and be ready um, for that. Whatever the the circuit will be leading up to that in August of. I guess it would be August of 2021. That's when I want. What has your experience been with competing? Have you enjoyed it? Obviously, you enjoy it. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it, right? <laughs> it, it it it's quite a challenge. Will be what I would say. Um, the five minutes when you're there in front of you know, and, and I know they're not looking at you, but you're still there. There's a thousand or two thousand people in the in 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 the arena. You you hear the buzz. There's ten plus mats going on at the same time. They're recording it. Um, they're broadcasting on Flow Grappling at some of these tournaments. I mean, so you, you want to try to do the best that you can. Um, it's nice that you get matched up with people that are your same age, your same weight, um, your same belt. And so all of those should will make the, the matches more even. Generally, if they're competing, they're, they probably like to compete. And so um, they're good. Some people are good and stuff. Um, the older crew is not as good as the as the regular, you know, brown. Not as belt. good. You can't add more. It's just a different life stage, right? I mean, like it's just it's. I mean, you're not to say that they're not as good is unfair. Well, I, 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 they would have a tough time, and so if they were to compete and like someone competing in Master Worlds four um, is different than competing in the Worlds as a as whatever belt you are, which is every brown belt, every blue belt, every purple belt. Um, of, of that weight class. I mean, it's everybody, not just age specific. In your experience so far with training or competing in Masters Worlds, has it been like you're competing against uh, professional jiu-jitsu athletes or is it more people who are in the same life situation as you? Like they're they're probably working, they're, you know, like... I, I agreed that they are, but they're definitely focused on the, the competition would be what I would say. So... Um, you know, one of the guys that um, I went with, I, I followed him. He, he, he has competed the whole time, it looks like, um, that, um, you know, that he's been doing it. So he competed as a purple belt. He competed as a brown belt. He'll probably compete as a brown belt. I see him competing in a lot of competitions, one of the guys I went with. What are you going to do differently leading up to – so obviously you're working your stand-up separately. Um, what are you going to do differently to ramp, start ramping up for that competition then? Um, work on my fitness level. Um, I want to add additional um, things to my game. I want to work on my stand-up. I want to get better at my guard. Um, what do you do outside of the gym for fitness? Um, so I'll lift weights. I'll run. Um, I'll do um, – I'm working at Justin's gym right now, which is like a strength kind of next level, third level. It's um, new dimension. New wellness. Di- oh my god! I'm <laughs> wellness. Like, and, I threw uh, all the buzzwords and I got them all and, fucked and, up. And he has a, um, you know, his training is set up for functional movements. It's not heavy weights, but what's interesting is, um, you know, doing his train. I've been doing it, you know, once or twice a week for probably the last since about September. Um, 
when I do lift weights, I'm stronger. So like, oh, yeah, when so I, it's working. It, right? It's like, working. So and and I feel stronger on the mat, and I feel more fit, and um, my back doesn't hurt as often as it does. So it's helping. I'm strengthening the internal, and and I'm I'm working on some things that. Um, balance and things where I where my head position will get off center sometimes when I'm stepping out and I could see it in the mirror and we were doing some functional training and I, I could see my head offline and then when I got my head more centered in the middle it helped with my balance and stuff so it's helping with my balance it's helping with my flexibility my strength um, the stamina there's a little bit of cardio so that's another thing but I'll always do something because I, I try to keep the training fresh and, and you're always I always see you like when you're traveling you're out there running right like I'll do I'll, yeah I'll do that yeah absolutely that's like, awesome like, this past week I mean I just did in the gym this past week because it was like 30 degrees in Memphis <laughs> when I was there but I mean it's just a little you know small hotel gym which is um, weights and a, a elliptical or a treadmill and stuff that that would be when when I'm traveling for work that I would do and stuff do you what is your biggest challenge um right now do you feel looking forward to competing as a black belt um in masters worlds um like do you like you said you you're working on all of these different facets like where where is it that you want to focus the most right now because you've competed how many times recently as a brown belt as a brown belt um i i probably did about eight or ten um different places where i would go um uh, it's hard to get um, a match as a Masters for. I was going to say, how how yeah. big are these brackets typically? I, I mean, like in Orlando, the last the last time I competed was in Orlando. I got one person, and um, you know he came and over. And that was an IBGF, or yeah, a, he okay. came over from from Tampa, and he ended up winning the worlds that year. So I got to go with the guy that won the worlds that year um, and stuff. So that that was a good experience for me. Are you getting a good look as to what? to expect coming in the in the next year like like because in general the guys who are going to be competitive are going to be competitive then right like so like are you like watching tape on them working on what you need to work on i mean i don't want to give away trade secrets and stuff but well like, i don't have any trade secrets chris but yeah i've looked at guy i've looked at okay. um, the guys that are competing as a master four or five i've seen how good they are and i know what a challenge the likelihood of yeah most, mo- mo- most likely like it would do. just be the experience i don't have any aspirations in the first or the second time i just want to to compete awesome. because the the people that are there are, are really good and 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 um different from competing as a brown belt when i was probably on the mats longer than them um i I probably had more experience i won't have the most experience i mean i'm just a a baby um in terms of where where i need to be from a developmental um, perspective and so to answer your question i need to work on everything i mean i need to get better i need to work on my cardio my fitness my stand-up my guard passing and my guard retention i need to just try to evolve the game the best I can to be ready. Um, and then mentally I need to, um, be ready to go when you hit the mat because it's, um, the amount of energy you exert in five minutes there always seems different than five minutes on, on the mat. It seems like you went 30 minutes and, you know, uh, you just leave it all out there. Hopefully, um, if you get to that point in the round and, um, you know, um, you may get to fight two or three fights um, around. Your matches that you've had, have you always gone with um, other folks or were you there 
without like were you there with like Tarsus and John and stuff or were you um so I, I would go to like in the um so I've gone with John and Tarsus a couple times. Um, we, we we did Atlanta. Um, I, I I would meet him up there. I flew into Atlanta one time. Um, you know, I did Charlotte one time. I don't think they were at Charlotte. And then Tarsus was always down in Miami, and I went down to Miami. So you were literally there by yourself. I would drive down. Yeah, I don't really? mind traveling by myself. And then for the um, the the California trip, I took my wife for the Pan Ams. Right. You went um, to Ve- California uh, or Vegas? I did both. Both. Um, okay. Vegas is where they do the Master Worlds, um, and then um, California is where they do the Pan Am Games. Um, and so that'd be like one of the four, uh, like the whatever you would the Grand Slam for tennis. I mean, it's going to be the Pan Ams, the Masters. Um, world, the European champion, and the Brazilian national. Those are kind of um, on IBGAJF. Those would be the, the big four that they would have um, and stuff. And if you take out Masters Worlds and you were, you, you know, you were competing at the normal level, you'd have the Worlds, which is diff- that's in a different time frame than the Masters Worlds. But I wouldn't have known anything about it without being exposed by um, Tarsus and Do stuff. Do you – I mean, like, how – like when you compete again in Florida next say the next year, are you looking to have a team there with you? I, I've talked to people that say, "Hey, I'd like to go compete and stuff." Um, you know, I know. I mean, I know John wants to compete. Yeah, yeah. He's, I'm, I'm, he's I'm, the new director of social uh, co- competition. Uh, J- John that, wants yeah. to compete. He's going to compete this year. Yeah. Um, I talked to um, Justin, a friend that you know when, when I was training. He, he's thinking about competing. So I mean, um, it's good to go with with someone. But if if I'm if I only say, hey, I'm only going to compete if I have a team or somebody, then you're going to miss out on a lot. You just need right. to kind of do it would be what I would say. It's better when someone's there and you can hear them talking to you because if you're out there kind of um, by yourself um, without a word of a, a corner man per se, then it's it's more challenging on the mat for yeah, sure. Definitely a disadvantage for sure just because having that second set of eyes. Yeah, like alone is just strategically. It's, yeah, it's, um, it's huge. So – as kind of we wind this thing down, Kali, outside of getting your black belt, what is – give us, like, one of uh, your best moments on the mat. I mean, I like sharing time with friends and the, the people that I meet here because I think they're people that I wouldn't normally – um, me, you know, being an accountant or working in the business I would be. So it's really nice. Um, there's so many good people that we have. So really it's the friendships that you develop on the mat, the people you get to meet. Um, and and I, I like that probably the best. I think that as I continue to grow and evolve, I like seeing people getting better. That's probably the thing that's most enjoyable to me. I really like to see i go wow that guy's getting super good look how good his technique looks um his jujitsu is getting good or his stand-up looks super tight I, I, boy i wish i was 22 years old or 25 and look like that and, and and had that kind of technique just imagine how good they could be in, in 10 years so that excites me probably more than anything is seeing the gym grow and evolve um so that's probably the friendships and then seeing everybody getting better well, I, I think i think that's that's kind of a rare quality because it, it's it's great to have people on the mats that want to bring people up and and almost cheer and support the development of other people instead of trying to elevate themselves and bring other people down because i know 
especially, you know, we're all competing on the mass. We're all teammates, but we're also competing. There's a tendency for some people to covet knowledge, to want to maintain their status in a pecking order. And you're coming at it from a totally different angle, which is like, if I see someone kicking ass, whether they're 22, whether they're 42, whether they're 62, it doesn't matter. Um, that's awesome. And that makes the gym better. And I'm, and that makes me excited to train. And I, and I think if more people had your attitude, not that I'm saying our gym has a bunch of assholes in it, we don't, but I think just in general, the more people that adopt an attitude like yours is gonna make a training environment a million times better. So um, I know you and I discussed the other day, actually, in one of our morning sessions, we were discussing, like, what is your overall strategy of jiu-jitsu? You, d- you described it as your meta. Um, like, my game, as most people probably know, is sort of, like, try to pull guard and try to sweep and then either try to take the back or whatever the case is from there. You said you have a certain strategy always in mind. Um, now, as both of us are black belts, we, you know, we, we've sort of refined our own game. Um, where do you want to what's your next area of focus like what do you want to work on next uh, stand up aside because all jiu-jitsu folks we can all agree for the most part have pretty shitty stand up um, where do you want to focus next necessarily so um, and, and I got that kind of philosophy from Steve Ramos because I, I mean he would have been teaching you know, running a class as a blue belt and we may not have even been in class he basically said hey man you got to have a strategy my strategy is I'm going to take people down, I'm going to get their back, and I'm going to choke them out. That was his simple strategy. And it's a good strategy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, that savage jiu-jitsu 101. Um, so my, my, my general strategy is I, I want to take the person down. I want to try to pass their guard. Um, as I pass their guard, and, and I, I may not pass their guard, I could get the side control. So as I transition from just a regular closed guard or whatever form of guard, a De La Hive or whatever, I'm going to try to get into um, half guard. And from half guard, I'll start attacking. Um, I'll start doing submissions and whatever along the way. Um, I'll eventually try to pass if I, if I can't get a submission along the way. Um, I'll try to mount. And, um, and then uh, the whole time trying to submit. So what's the next thing for me? I need to get the back take. That, that's really the one where I need to get better at now going to take the back. And you could take the back before if it presented um, versus the regular top mount. But I think I want to get that part in my attack. In the I def- mean, you hit a rolling back take the other day with Julian's. Uh, 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 or Julian. Oh, my God. I did it again. With Julius, right? It's they got to gotta try to work you, on it. Right? It's, it's there. And you did it, so yeah. When we were drilling, not live. So let's, 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 let's make that very clear. There's I wasn't taking Julius's back uh, during a live yeah, session. This is true. Yeah, we, yeah, were, we were drilling. We were working. On it. <laughs> yeah, he was showing me some, you know, something off of uh, what we're what we're working and stuff. So, um, and and then I think when I'm not in the attack mode, I need to be more attack. So when I'm playing guard, I need to attack more because I do like you do. When I'm in guard. I'm going to sweep versus submit. So I think that um, in my game, I need to have more attacks along the way to make the person feel uncomfortable because the people, in my opinion, that have the best guards um, and that I'm the most scared about trying to pass their guard, or not scared, cautious, are people that are going to submit me along the way, that they're going to put me in a triangle, they're going to try to do an arm bar, they're going to put me in an uma plata, from their guard, not just sweep. And so I sweep, I need to work more triangles um, and, 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 and get more attacks from my guard. That would be what I would be. So I can tell you from my experience what your 
number one submissions are. What do you feel your number one submissions are? So my favorite chokes are going to be anything that's a gi type choke. Um, I like the cross choke. I love the Agreed. bow and arrow. Um, I'm going to always try to get those. I like the Kimura. Um, I like the Americana. Um, I, 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 I like the short choke now from the back, which is something that um, you know um, Brian showed me recently where um, you bring it across the chin. I think it's a lot more – it seems to be a lot more effective. I've, I've, I've finished that a lot more than I've been finishing the rear naked, um, so I like that. So those are kind of the ones I like um, from guard. I, you know, the triangle is the one that I'll, I'll work. The triangle and the arm lock is what I – so what, what do you see? What, what do you see that I, I like? Gee chokes, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's a, my that's favorite. Like, definitely 100%. Yeah, uh, like from every position you'll you'll yes you start with the gichok which is a good strategy that's a very it's actually a very old school strategy yeah. it's like if you want to do this start with the gichok if you want to do this start with the gichok um if that fails an americana is usually in order because i'll be framing um if that fails then i'll probably you'll somehow roll me to my back or something but yeah the gichoks are always the one that's sort of like that's like the jab to get it started and if that fails and you move on to something else um I'm, you're not necessarily on your back all that much with me, so that's a that's a story that we don't really play all that often. Um, but yeah, no, no, it, 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 and you're good at it, so it's like it's it's something that I'm I don't do enough is is gi work, so I use it more defensively than offensively, just as you just mentioned. Um, so how has your experience been with judo so far? Um, I feel like a fish out of water right now. Um, I I. So you're you're starting basically you know, at the first level. The footwork, all the I, I, what's interesting is there's a lot of footwork where you have to work the, your whole body to get the technique to work. And so um, right now I'm having challenges connecting the feet, the arms, and then my body all together. Um, but I think that I'll I'll make that connection and it's going to help out. Um, you know, we worked the other day the uchi. Uh, Uchigari, right? Uchigari, yeah. Uchigari is the which is the inner reap that we did the other day as a warmer. Large warm inner reap. Large inner reap. One of the um, 40, oh. <laughs> 40, 40 judo throws. But, but that's the thing is right. One thing about judo is there's consistent terminology across all judo schools. So like, it's easier to pass on knowledge that way. There's not this like. I don't know what this technique's called, but we all do it, and then this school calls it this. But anyway, so yeah, and, and so it's good to kind of um, on, yeah. on, on that particular thing to get real formal training from someone that's a yes. judoko master. Uh, Sasaki is you know about as high level as you're going to get in, in in this area in Florida. So it's really good to be able to go go train at his school and to to learn something new um, for sure. I, the first day I got to go with a guy that was similar size with me, which was really nice. Um, oh, really? Yeah. There there was a, a a guy that was a 240 pound black belt that um and, and that's why i felt i said i felt like a fish out of water is that is it, you could really i could feel the power of his judo and the leverage that he got on me from being in a better position from a stand-up um position and it felt very uncomfortable and i couldn't grab his leg which the whole time yeah, i wanted to grab the leg really for a single leg or for go for a double and i think you know the last time i trained i grabbed the guy's leg and i go Oh man, I can't grab his leg, and so I, I don't know all the rules yet. And um, but I, I do, and we've always done something judo. Whether it was here, we we would we would do some judo at karate. So, but it's never. And I, I've done some judo specific for BJJ. Tarsus kind of worked that in Tarsus, and he had um, George Conti, who's a black belt. Um, he he would. I've taken some of his classes. He had like another session for judo, but. Um, 
I'll make the connections. I, hopefully I can, because of the experience from other martial arts, it will help me um, develop quicker or make those connections where I don't feel like I'm off balance. I don't feel like I'm being dominated physically from somebody um, standing up. And <laughs> There's, there aren't many people who are going to necessarily physically dominate you <laughs> anywhere. Um, so we, uh, somebody asked us the other day, actually they flipped the script on us, and they asked like me and Noah, like how much outside of the gym are we like studying jujitsu things, right? Like how much are you studying jujitsu outside the gym? So I've started studying more. And so really, um, I think, you know, I didn't talk about Tommy, but Tommy's had a big influence on me specifically on, um, getting better at technique. And so, um, Tommy encouraged me to come to the six thirty class. And so part of that camaraderie with the, you know, the fellowship with your, your brothers on the mat is, you know, if I make a commitment to know I'm going to be here on Saturday at 12 o'clock, um, even if I don't feel good, even if I, I'm, I'm going to come. And so, um, when I tell Tommy, Hey, I'm going to come to your class at six o'clock, I'd come. And, um, he, he, he has a wealth of knowledge from technique and so he um he would pique my interest and and certain techniques and then i would start studying and um you know at first i want to study the material that's specific to our gym so paul does have some stuff out there tommy does have some stuff it's not all the time and it's not as consistent but i'll, I'll look their stuff up and i've learned a lot because if i haven't had time with facetime with paul i i've seen him say like his philosophy on belts he's got that on 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 youtube i've seen that i've seen him talk about um training and and, 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 and not just technique so i like when i see that in addition because sometimes in a class he doesn't share that information he may share that in a one-on-one -on -one situation with you but it's really nice to see that type of thing so um i like to see that so i started with that and go, go ahead no you hear that paul <laughs> Kali wants to see more vlogs, vlogs. He doesn't get, he's, he's not listening. He's like, I'm not, I'm not listening to you right now. I'm pretending not to listen. I know he hears me, but he's not, he's not acknowledging me. He, he's, he's told me for the past six months that he's going to like every few weeks, like, oh yeah, I want to publish that vlog now. Like I've, I've got like two or three, like in the bank, I'm going to publish them. I'm like, bullshit, you're not. <laughs> we, but that's the thing is we want to hear it as students, you know, like we want to hear it. Like, you know, a lot of people are clamoring for this kind of exactly, stuff. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I miss the old, do you remember at Dean university, the, the monthly newsletter? I don't remember you the don't? newsletter. Oh man, there was. Did a, you author it? Pup, no, <laughs> no. He, he Paul did like digital. Um, he would do like like uh, uh, I don't know an email that. newsletter or oh, an e a physically printed newsletter. What was it called? I don't remember, but I remember he would write articles about fitness, some articles about like whatever technique is, like basically his vlogs in Wow. Look at that. Well he does he does go ham. Whenever he posts a social media post, it's not like great training, hashtag grinding. It's like three paragraphs of philosophy and stuff but, but it's good for us to hear that too right like i, I like that so that, that, that that's part of the to get back to your question some of the studying is i'll get a little bit on facebook um you know something will pop up that i want to look at i like on facebook the quick stuff that i can look at and, and really i'm looking more for details 
um, that I can maybe incorporate in my game. Um, and then I'll do some specific studying. Like if I want to, if I said, hey, we went over this in class, I want to get another perspective on it. Um, and, and I'll look at that or I wanted to reinforce it because I don't have a video from the class. So now I want to follow up and try to retain it a little, little better. I'll look at something on YouTube. I do look at YouTube. Um, I do have some of the, you know, the, the Danaher stuff and the Gordon Ryan and all that stuff. Um, it's all paid for, not 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 shared illegally. <laughs> but um, shout out uh, to BJJ fanatics, Bernardo Faria. Yes, yeah, huge B- honor, huge <laughs> honor for us, huge honor for us. <laughs> I uh, I don't know if Chris is gonna remember this, but I, I wanna. I think I'm a pretty perceptive guy, and and earlier in this conversation, near the beginning, Kali was talking about being 48 now looking at his life in the perspective of, you know, this is what I have physically. Things are going to change over time. I want to give back. I want to treat. And I happen to glance over Chris. And Chris, Chris is always an attentive listener, but he seemed to really, I felt like something resonated with you when he was saying that. And you even like, like gave him a high, you, you took your beer and you're like, cheers after he said that. What was going through your mind? Because I felt like he struck a nerve with you talking about that. And I don't know if that had to do with... Not struck a nerve in a bad way. Um, no, 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 no. Struck, struck a, a nerve. Struck a chord. Struck a chord. Like, it um, resonated with you. It did. What was, like, what was going through your mind? Because I wanted to bring that up, but it felt like it was kind of deep. I was like, fuck it. We, we're going to bring it up. It just... It's so like... I, and I'm... Now that I'm not aging by any means. I'm 37. We'll be eight in a couple months. I mean, like, I'm not as young as I was. That's just obvious, right? But like, you know, and, and as I learn more about society and as I learn more about um, the evolution of, you know, our, our, our sort of like sub gym is called tribe martial arts. A big part of tribe is the elders passing on information, right? Because like, it's not us that matters. It's the jujitsu and the community that matters. And a big part of that is having the right people in place to disseminate what we learn to the next generation, right? Because the goal should always be, in my opinion, that, and and this stems back to even Paul, before this all this tribe stuff came into play, was the idea that, you know, it took him X amount of years to get a blue belt. He should have us getting to his level faster. And me now as a black belt and Kali as a black belt, our goal should be to bring guys who are blue belts, purple belts, and brown belts below us to our level even faster right like because there should be constant evolution in technique constant evolution in training methods and um just that just constant evolution in 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 our ability to teach to be able to to disseminate that to the next generation so everybody gets better jujitsu gets better we get better as instructors you know, despite our ailing bodies, which I'm definitely not immune to that by any means, you know, like that's, that's the most important thing. And I think that's a thing that comes with, I don't think you achieve a level of black belt until you've understood that being a black belt in jujitsu or any martial art for that matter is that's what it's about. And it's not about you. That's, so that's, that's, that's me like that. That's why it struck a chord with me when he when he said this is mentioned. this is the black belt wisdom, the black belt and wisdom. Maybe it sounds super hokey and stuff, but I mean, like, I don't think I'd be doing this as long as I have, and I don't think Kali would be doing this as long as he has without the community and without honestly, like, we do it because we love everybody, right? 
like and that's it's that's what it's about so well i can't think of a better way to wrap up the podcast with that that sounds good um Kali, thank you so much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Dude, is anything you want to add before closing thoughts, closing thoughts from Kali? I appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, um, pleasure's I, I all ours. Listen to, um, I, I think I'm one. Are you caught up? I, I'm not all the way caught up, but uh, I'll listen to it at work. I'll listen to it while I travel. I really, I like to to hear the story of people at our gym. I like to hear people um, share their philosophies. They don't have to necessarily be from our gym. I know now they have been. A lot of them have been from the gym, but it's We've it's really more lined up. It's, don't worry. It, 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 it's it's great to be able to hear. Um, people um, talking about their experience and I think we can learn from them and you know I just like to thank everybody at the academy anybody that I've trained with my my wife um, obviously my wife and my son um, you know their sacrifices for me to be able to train I just want to thank all that hopefully we can all continue to evolve and get better together and I'll kind of say like Chris said um I want everybody to get better faster, but not because the time is shorter. It's because they're training harder than we did. And I, I do agree that the teaching methods are better. It, Way it, better. It, it has to be the knowledge it, it is there. You have to put time in on the mat. You have to get to a certain level at, at grappling. It's not just technique. It's applying it in live rounds and live situations. So I, I think that's important as well. You can't learn jujitsu in a book or on the internet. You have to come to class. You have to put the time in. You have to drill and practice and do live rounds. You have to do all of that. The live rounds make you tougher, but the drill and the practice helps get the technique into your game that once those physical skills that you have, and you may have no physical skills, you just may be a regular guy, never done anything athletically, but once they deteriorate and all you have is just yourself, it's the technique that's going to trump that. I mean, for me, I'm lucky, I'm blessed, I'm big, I, I'm strong, and but as I get lose my strength, I'm going to have to rely more on weakness. Because You're not losing your strength, Kelly. I, I, I will, I will. I mean, you lose your strength, I'm losing my athleticism where um, you know things that were easy to perform aren't as easy to perform form now but I still I still do have some strengths so I, I'm lucky that I have that um, and it makes the rounds um, and the training you know where it's not as challenging but at the end of the day when you're a 70 year old man if you're doing jujitsu it's going to come down to the technique it's not going to be because I'm stronger than this guy I'm faster you're going to be slower weaker and older than anybody you would go with and so the only way you can overcome that is the technique and so I think we all start jujitsu with some attribute that may give us an advantage we may be quick we may be nimble we may be um all of that but at, at, at some point it's the technique that's going to be important you know trying to learn that is um what i want to continue to try to do as long as i can that's awesome kali it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much thank you all right guys